All right, Jehovah said, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsor, our Talmud Torah sponsors, for the month of Elul. Avram and Shem, the Kalman, for dedicating all the Shurim and Drushos this month. In memory of their parents, the Chorim Vracha, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. We thank all of our Week of Learning sponsors, Alan Wiseman, for dedicating the Shurim this week in commemoration of the 10th yard site of his beloved wife, Rita, Rivka Rachel Bas Zachariah, Jesse and Rivka Mayravitz, in honor of the birth of a baby boy, to Shmuel and Shira Artman, Dr. Ron and Marlene Gartenhouse, in honor of their sons, Harris and Simon, learning in Eretz Yisrael, Paul and Kathy Pollock as a zechus for Rafu Shalema for Alter Ben Golda Etcha. And our Dafyomi sponsors for today, the Plunka family in commemoration of the yard sites of Elazar Ben Shimon, the son of Rabbi Shimon Bayochai, and Sajah Ben Yosef, or Sajah Gon, whose yard sites are being observed today. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah, and they should be a zechus for all of Klav Yisrael. But see, with that, let us begin. Shechiyonu, Vikimonu, Vigiyonu, Lazman to come to Masech Hasbeah, an incredibly exciting Masech that filled with incredible halacha, incredible agarata. For those who were learning Smichas Chavar, there will also be a very nice Chazara of much of Hilchos Muksa, which we will see, which will be very, very nice. Even those who didn't learn Smichas Chavar will have a nice Chazara of, uh, of Hilchos Muksa. And I will say with that, let us begin. Says the Mishnah, Beitza Shenol Dabiyamtiv. Right? Beitza Shenol, I think everyone in their life has come across this Mishnah. And in some way, shape, or form, at some time. For some of us, maybe in yeshiva, those of us who learn the certainly in dafyomi. But again, a very famous mission. Literally, again, a chicken lays an egg on yamtiv. What is the status of the egg? So says the Gemara, Beishamai Omrin Tocha. Beishamai says you are permitted to go ahead and eat the egg. Ubeisila Omrin Lo Sochal. Beisila says you are not permitted to eat the egg. So we'll say, what is at the core of that machlokes? Emir Tzashem will be seen in the Gemara. So that's Machlokes number one. Machlokes number two in the Mishnah. I'm sorry. Beisila second Machlokes is regarding the Shir of Sa'ar. See, it's interesting. We often translate Sa'ar as Chametz. Sa'ar is actually a leavening agent. Right, so sa'ar is something that could be sourdough, a leavening agent, and or something you introduce into a mixture in order to create chimutz, in order to create the leavening process. So what's the shear on Pesach, the prohibitive shear, for sa'ar? So Shamay omrim, sa'ar bekizayis, the shear of sa'ar is a kizayis, and the chomitz, but chomitz itself is bekiko seves, is the size ultimately again of a date. Now again, just to orient you a little bit, so like in the world of Shi'urim, going from least to greatest, you'll have a Kizayis, a, ke, uh, a Koseves, and a Kebeitza. So again, so you have Beishamai saying the Shir for Sa'ar is going to be, a, by the way, there are Bayan notebooks over here if anyone wants, right, uh, right behind Said, also extra ones up here. The notebooks are yours, compliments of the, compliments of the Shir. Again, I, I think many of the Chavas started doing this already back in Sukkah. Some even started a little bit before it. It's Kedai to keep a notebook, to write down whether it's halachas, 
or hashkafas or ideas, chidushim you have, epiphanies you have, thoughts you have, ideas that grab your attention. Also a wonderful way for to retain something from the daf because we move so quickly. We move so quickly that sometimes it's kedai just uh, just to go ahead and retain a nugget, a morsel for each and every daf. In any event, so we have second machlokis beishamai beisilal is the machlokis in the shear of saar. So you have again beishamai saying saar is kizayis, chametz is kikoseves. Basil say the shear for both Sa'ar as well as as well as Khamitz is going to be Kizai. So we'll say that's Machlokis number two. Now, by the way, what 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 do these two Machloksim have in common with each other? So the answer is very little except for one important fact. If you look at Rashi, Rashi Divrahamaskil Sa'ar be Kizayis, Mishum Dahani Tlasmili Have Mikule Be Shamai. The common denominator amongst the three machlokes mentioned here in the Mishnah are unique circumstances where Beishamai is Mekel and Beishilal is Machmir, which of course is not the norm. Normally we're used to seeing the opposite. The unique, the unique quality of the three machlokes over here is Beishilal is Machmir and Beishamai is Mekel. So again, chicken lays an egg on Yomtiv, Beishamai says, eat it. Basil says, no, you can't. Why? We'll have to see. Machlokis number two. The shear of Sa'ar, Beishamai says, is a Kizayis. Chametz, Koseves, and ultimately again, Basil, both be Kizayis. Good. Ashochet Chayiv Of Piyamtiv. Next. What if one goes out and shechts a Chaya or an Of on Yamtiv? Remember again, a Chaya, non domesticated animal. Of is a bird. The common denominator between those two animals is you require Kisu Hadam. Kisei Adam is a mitzvah to cover the blood of the animal after Shrita. But Kisei Adam does not apply to what we'll call domestic animals. So for example, you shech the cow, you shech the sheep, there is no mitzvah of Kisei Adam. It is only dafka chaya and of. So what happens if you go ahead and you shech a chaya and an of Remember again, you're allowed to shech the chaya and of ayamtiv? You're allowed to? Yes. Why? Ocha mefesh. Remember again, Torah tells us that any malacha that you need to do for the sake of normative food preparation is permitted on yamtiv. So you go ahead and you shechtachayin of biyamtiv. Then I will say, now remember, everyone would agree that what's the ideal? The ideal is that before yamtiv, you have dirt prepared for kisoy hadam. Now we'll discuss why that's a necessity. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa again, what happens if you did it and you didn't have dirt prepared? Beishamai Omrim, Yachpar Bedekar V'yichasa. Beishamai says, no problem, just dig dirt. Literally, Yachpar Bedekar means dig with a shovel, right? Obtain dirt and perform the midst of Kisei Hadam. U Beishil, Beishil says, Beishil Omrim, Lo Yishchot, Ela Imkin Hayalo Afar Muchan Mi Ba'od Yom. Interesting. So Basilo says, no, you cannot shecht unless what? Unless what? Unless you had dirt prepared for means from before Yantiv. From before Yantiv. Good. Umod so say here's another machlokis, right? We have Beishamai saying that Allah no problem to go ahead and prepare the dirt on Yantiv itself. Basil is saying the dirt must be prepared before Yamtiv. Umodim, and they will agree. Shimshachat. So the, the way this sounds like, although again, we're going to we're going to qualify this in the Gemara. Umodim, Basilo will agree to Beishamai, Shimshachat, that if you did shacht. So remember again, what's Basilo Shita? Basil says really the only way you should shacht on Yamtiv is when, or is how? 
if you have dirt prepared. Now again, remember, we have to, we have to fill in the whole sentence. Oh, you should shecht a chaya and an oaf on yamtiv is if you have your dirt prepared from before yamtiv. Right? So what happens if you shechted? Umodim. They still will agree that if you did shecht, umodim shimshachat, shiyachbar badeker v'yichasa, that you should go ahead and dig with a shovel, obtain dirt, and cover the blood. She'efer kira muchanu. Because the soot or the dirt of the stove is considered to be prepared. Now we'll say, now what that statement means, because it doesn't exactly seem to flow, we will have to see inside of the Gemara. Good. So we'll say, these are our three machloksim. Beishamai and Beishilal. Situations in when Beishamai is Mekel, Beishilal is Machmir. We are going to spend the remainder of the daf focusing on the first of these three machloksim. Namely, Pesa Shinolda Biyamtiv. Chicken lays an egg on Yamtiv. Are you permitted to eat the egg or not? Beishilal says no. Beishamai says yes. What is at the root of that machlokis? Watch this. Mayaskinon says the Gimara, what's the case? What's the case? Mayaskinon. Ilima betarna goles haomedes la achilo. If you say, so we'll say, when we say what's the case, the first question we're asking is, what kind of chicken? Right? There are different kinds of chicken. There are chickens that you have set aside for laying eggs, and there are chickens that you have for consumption. So what kind of chicken are we talking about? So the Gimara says, so if you want to say that it's a chicken that's designated for consumption, then what? Why would Basilo say that if the chicken lays an egg, that ultimately what? It should be usser. So I will say, what's, what's, the, what's the question over here? If the chicken itself is kulo designated lachila, right? I'm going to eat the chicken. That mean, am I allowed to eat the chicken on Yamdiv? Yeah, so that means what? Any part of the chicken is what? It's food. In fact, that's what it means. Uchla de ifrasu. If the chicken is designated as food, then any part of the chicken is designated as food as well. So if it lays an egg, the egg should be permitted. Uchla de ifrasu means it's just food that has separated from its source. But essentially, if it's designated as achila, it all has the halachic designation of food, and therefore should all be permitted. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, Uchla de Ifris, Ochal Shinifrad, Vichavera, Vimenachos, Chaburi, Ochlan, Kemad, the Mifrisi Damu. So again, if the chicken is designated for consumption and it lays an egg, the egg should absolutely be permitted for consumption as well. Ochla de Ifrisu is just food that's been separated from its source, and therefore should be mutter. So it says in the Gemara, Ella, therefore we must say, that this is an egg-laying chicken. Right? That you have a chicken designated, the, I, I'm not eating this chicken. Instead, what am I doing? This chicken is set aside to lay eggs. Okay, so let's analyze this. If the chicken is set aside to lay eggs, then why would Beishamai allow you to eat the egg after all? Muktsahu, isn't the egg muktsa? Now, Bosai, now let's talk about this a little bit. So we're going to see exactly, exactly, you know, the, the Gemara presupposes that we know about the concept of muktsa and we understand its use. As we're going to see, the truth is, we already saw a good part of this in Masech Shabbos with the Machlokis Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon, which, we are, which, which really centers on the parameters of muktsa, which we're actually going to get into today. So what the Gemara is asking is as follows. Beishamai, Beishamai, 
if you say, if we, if we assume that we're dealing over here with a chicken that's there to lay eggs, okay? And now the chicken lays the egg on Yomtiv. Chicken lays the egg on Yomtiv. How could Beishamai permit the egg? After all, the egg should be Muktzah. Now, what's the Gemara's logic in saying the egg should be Muktzah? Because the egg wasn't here on Erev Yomtiv. If it wasn't here on Erev Yomtiv, then what? Then it cannot, then it has not been actively set aside for use. If it hasn't been set aside for use, then shouldn't it be Muktzah? That's the question of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Umay Kusha, I don't understand why that's such a question. Dilma, Beishamai Lesley Muktzah. Maybe, be, now, boss, I, before you get excited about this statement, huh, there's someone who doesn't hold the Muktzah. I've been waiting for this my whole life. No, boss, I, so again, when it says Beishamai Lesley Muktzah, what it means is Beishamai does not subscribe to what we'll call a strict or narrow definition of Muktzah. So what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. Lesley Muktzah. Rashi, what does it mean when we say Beishamai does not like Muktzah? Dildilma, Karabi Shimon Svirle. I will say, remember, we have a machlokis in the Gemara, which we'll make reference to today, between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, about do we have, for lack of better terms, we'll call it a narrow definition of Muktzah or an expansive definition of Muktzah. Now, how, how exactly does this play out? So look at Rashi. Last thing, Muktzah, to deal with Rabbi Shimon, maybe Beishamai holds like Rabbi Shimon, Da'am Rabbi Parakira, Moser Hashem and Sheben Ervishabekara, Aser, Rabbi Shimon Matir. So we'll say, listen to this case. This is actually great. You have a ner. Now remember again, in halacha, in halacha, in gemara, what does a ner mean? A little chazara from our Erevin. And what does a ner mean? Right? It's a receptacle. Right? So remember again, what you have over here essentially is, it could be an open bowl with a little lip in which you put the wick. You would fill the receptacle, you would fill the bowl with oil. Watch this. You light a ner before Shabbos. This is so exciting. You, you, I will say it's like that new Gemara. I say that new Gemara smell, but it's that new Gemara feel. Like there's like, you start in a sechta, you feel like the world is your kosher oyster, right? Mamish, like, like, you know, like, like you, you could do anything. You could be anything. This could be my mesechta, right? This could be the opportunity to be Kona something. It's so exciting. So I will say, so remember the following case. You light your ner. You light your ner. And now what happens? You have a bowl filled with oil and the wick goes out. So now you have, right, you, you have leftover oil inside of that receptacle. Figure leftover oil, great, I'm gonna make a salad dressing. Fantastic, right, I'm gonna go ahead and use the oil. Are you allowed to use what's, that's called the Mosar Shemen Shebener, the leftover oil inside of the receptacle. Are you allowed to use that or not? We're going to see, Rabbi Huda says no. Because since the oil became muktza at the onset of Shabbos, right? Remember again, remember Smichas Chaver. Right? Once you are designated as Mukta, so once you're designated as Mukta at the beginning of Shabbos, then what? Then what? That status remains. That's Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Shimon says no. No. The oil was only Mukta when? Only Mukta when? When the nair was burning. Because you also remember again, you can't tamper with the oil when the nair is burning because then you can get into issues of Havara or Kiboy, of kindling or of extinguishing. But once the nair goes out, and the oil is just sitting there, the oil is absolutely permitted. So when we, so, so the Gemara is suggesting over here as well. So we'll say that's, so that's Machlokis, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon. So the, it's interesting that the way the Gemara kind of titles that Machlokis 
is that Rabbi Shimon Lesley Mukta, Rabbi Huda Islay Mukta, which translates as Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold the Mukta, Rabbi Huda, which of course is not true, everyone holds of Mukta. Everyone holds of Mukta. The Shaila just is how narrow or how wide is your definition. So again, essentially, Rabbi Huda holds once you're Mukta, always Mukta, although there are, are exceptions to that rule as well, even according to Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Shimon says, no, even if you start out Shabbos Mukta, if something changes, your Mukta status has the ability to change as well. So what's this? And I watch this. So let, 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 let's follow the progression over here. So first of all, the Gemara says, let's shift gears. We're talking about a chicken that is designated to lay eggs. Okay, if that's the case, then ultimately, again, why does Beishamai allow it? It's Mukta, to which the Gemara says, Umay Kushya, Dilma Beishamai Lesley Mukta. Maybe Beishamai doesn't hold of Mukta. In other words, maybe Beishamai has a more expansive or looser definition of Mukta, and therefore would allow the use of the egg. So the Gemara says, one second. Umay Kushya, Dilma Beishamai Lesley Mukta. Kasaka Daitin, Afilu Man Deshari Bamukta, Binolat Aser. Here's the problem we'll say. The Gemara says, we're dealing with two different things over here. There's Mokta, which are the general categories of Mokta, and then there's a specific category called Nolad. Now, again, we're being introduced to this over here. What's Nolad? What's Nolad? Kishmo Kenhu, something that did not exist prior to Yamtiv, or Shabbos for that matter, right? Now we're talking about Yamtiv, right? Prior to Yamtiv, and now comes into existence on Yamtiv. What the Gemara wants to suggest is that Nolad is a more is a stricter category of Mokta. To the point that even if you hold like Rabbi Shimon, by Gantz Mokta, right? By the rest of the Halachos of Mokta, and take a more permissive view by Mokta, everyone agrees that Nolod is a stricter category. And if Nolod is indeed a stricter category, ultimately again, how could Beishamai allow for the consumption of the egg on Yamtiv. So I will say, just follow the progression over here, right? Remember, we're trying to figure out one simple question. I'll say, isn't this incredible, right? A group of grown men sitting here at 5.57 in the morning, trying to figure out what kind of chicken are we talking about, right? What kind of chicken? I will say, what kind of chicken makes all the difference in the world? So remember again, if it's a chicken, if it's a, we'll call it a consumption chicken, then I don't understand the position of Beisilo. The egg should be permitted. It's all food. Right, so it must be a chicken that is set aside to go ahead and what? Lay eggs. All right, if it's set aside to lay eggs, I don't understand. Shouldn't it be mukta? Shouldn't the egg be mukta? If the egg is mukta, then how does Beishamai allow you to eat it? To which the Gemara says, maybe Beishamai doesn't hold of mukta, i.e., subscribe to the position of Rabbi Shimon, the more expansive view. To which the Gemara says, that can't be. Because even if you hold of a more permissive view of mukta, like Rabbi Shimon, everyone agrees that what is Aser? What is Aser? No lot. No lot. And this is a case of, now we'll say, where the Gemara gets these kind of like presuppositions from, right? We'll have to see, right? Because the Gemara is stating things as fact that we don't know to be fact. In other words, that even if you're Mako by Mukta, like Rabbi Shimon, that you're Machmer by Nolot, okay, we're, like, we're, we're, how do you know? Well, so we're, we're, remember, we're making assertions, now we'll back them up afterwards. So the Gemara says, I still don't understand how Beishamai can allow for the consumption of the egg. After all, it's Nolot. So here we go. 
Amr of Nachman. So we'll say we're not going to go, into, going to go through a series of different opinions as the Mechlok, as to what the Mechlok is. Amr of Nachman. The old Lumbatana Golis Haomedis Lagadul Beitzim. So also Rav Nachman is taking us back. You're right. Let's go back to the drawing board. Right? It's like what we said before. We're talking about a chicken that is meant to lay eggs. Okay. But again, we're, stu- we're stuck then. What, what are we stuck with? If it's a chicken that's meant to lay eggs, I understand the position of Basilel, who says the egg is Asr. Who don't I understand? Beishamai. How can Beishamai say that the egg is mutter? Because after all, it's no lot. Watch this. With the isle mukta isle no lot. With the lesle mukta lesle no lot. Ultimately, again, says the Gemara. So Rav Nachman says you made an assertion that was incorrect. You assumed that even if you adopt a more lenient view of Muktza, i.e. Rabbi Shimon, you hold a strict view of Nolad. And Rav Nachman says, that's not true. Well, Nolad is part of which framework? Part of which framework in Halacha? Muktza. Muktza. Nolad isn't its own Halachic entity, its own Halacha, you know, Halachic Misgeret framework. Nolad is part of Muktza. So whatever you hold by the, by the rest of Mukti, you hold by Nolad also. So if you take a more, a stricter view by Mukti, you take a stricter view of Nolad. If you take a, a, a more lenient view of Mukti, you take a more lenient view of Nolad. And be Shammai, Karebi Shimon, Ube Silal, Karebi Yehuda. And be Shammai holds like Rabbi Shimon, right? Which again, Rabbi Shimon, it takes, and we'll call it a more relaxed view of Mukti. And be Silal holds like Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, Halacha Lemaisa, be Shammai will be Mekel, in Nolad as well, and therefore allow for the consumption of the egg. Good. So both say, so take a look. Take a look at, good, fine. So good, let's go right there. Umiyama Rav Nachman Hachi. Did Rav Nachman actually say this? So both say, so did Rav Nachman actually say that Beishamai holds like Rabbi Shimon? Vahatinan, we learned, interesting case, Beishamai omrim magbiin me'al hashulchan atzamos uklipin. Rav say, great case, great case, right? You're, you're eating your Shabbos meal, right? This is like a typical situation. Like you're eating your Shabbos meal. So imagine you're eating your piece of chicken. You finish your chicken. And what? You left your bones. We'll say, what's the halachic status of bones? Mukta. Now the truth is, interesting enough, we saw in Smichas Chaver, not so posh, it could depend on what the presence of animals, right? Is there meat? Is there marrow? Okay. We're assuming right now that the bones we're talking about are mukta. So, right? Beishamai say that you are permitted to go ahead and remove, remove bones and shells from the table. Then I will say, by the way, what's the halacha? Why, why are you allowed to do that? Why are you allowed to do that? So Rashi says over here, The truth is, we learned why is that? Why is that not a problem, Mukta? And remember, Graf Shalrei, right? Excellent, right? And he did very well in the Bechina, by the way. I just want to point that out. He did. Right, Graf Shalrei, right? So, so again, I will say, so, so Graf Shalrei, right? It has the status of like garbage, right? And therefore, Allah Chalamais is deemed, it's deemed offensive. And therefore, Allah Chalamais is so to take it off the table. But again, we're not getting into that. Ubeisila Omrim, Misalek is Tabla Kula, Omenara. Beisila says you lift up the table, you can't handle the bones and the shells directly. You have to lift up the table in its entirety and ultimately, pretty much, I will say, now to us that sounds like the, the imagery that we're thinking about this. Remember, they're eating at individual tables. So what Basil says is just lift up the table, take it to the kitchen and dump it out in the garbage. That's called in halacha, tiltul minat sad. Indirect movement of mukta, which will not be problematic. Okay, so the Gemara of Amr Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said, 
So once again, you have Beishamai being Mekel, Beishilah being Machmir. Vam Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said, I think the attribution is wrong. Anu, ein lanu ela Beishamai k'Rabbi Yehuda, u Beishilah k'Rabbi Shimon. And now Rav Nachman comes along and says, by the way, I think you mixed up the attribution. And it's Beishilah who says that you could handle the bones and the shells directly. And Beishamai who says that you have to move the table. Why? Because Beishamai holds like Rabbi Yehuda, the stricter view of Muktzah, and Beishilah holds like Rabbi Shimon. We'll say we now have Rav Nachman directly contradicting himself. Rav Nachman wanted to explain the Mishnah that remember, it's a Tarnagolis HaOmedes Lagadol Beitzim. It's a chicken that is designated to lay eggs. That, that's Aleph, right? And the reason why Beishamai allows you to eat the egg and it's not a problem of Muktzah is because Beishamai adopts a lenient approach to Muktzah i.e. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, and therefore Allah allows you to go ahead and, and, and take, eat the egg. Now we just saw that Rav Nachman goes ahead and links Beishamai with who? With Rabbi Huda, who's the stricter view of Muktas. Rav Nachman just contradicted himself. Amalekha Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, no, I'm not contradicting myself. Gabi Shabbos, distam lan tana Rabbi Shimon. Shabbos says, so now Rav Nachman is going to make an interesting distinction between Shabbos and Yamtiv. So I'm not going to say like this. Gabi Shabbos, when it comes to Shabbos, this Stam Lantan, Rabbi Shimon, but also whenever you have a Stam Mishnah in Mesech Shabbos, we, we attribute it to Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara says, this Lant, for example, Mechat Chines HaDaluin Lifnei Behema. So we'll say there's two different things over here. Daluin are gourds, are gourds. So you're allowed to cut up the gourds in front of dogs on Shabbos. And both said, now what's the Chiddush? Now we're talking about, remember, the gourds are detached from the ground. What, why, why do I need a Gemara to tell me, a Mishnah to tell me that I'm allowed to cut up the gourds? Because remember, again, Rashi says over here, you might have thought, do the dogs need the gourd to be cut up in order to eat it? No. Does it make it easier for them to eat it if it's cut up? Yes. You might have thought that's called Tircha Yisera, unnecessary exertion on Shabbos, and therefore you're not allowed to do it. Rabbi Shimon says you are allowed to do it. You can cut up the gourds, and what else can you do? And you could also go ahead and cut up the carcass in front of the dogs as well. Now, we'll say, now what's the case of the carcass over here? The case of the carcass is where the animal died on Shabbos. Oh... An animal died on Shabbos. Well, let's talk about that for just a moment. We'll say, if an animal died on Shabbos, are you allowed to utilize this carcass for your dogs on Shabbos? Well, it depends. That's the machlokis, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Shimon. Right? According to Rabbi Huda, the answer will be no. Why not? Because once the animal was mukt at the onset of Shabbos, ultimately, again, it remains moksa for the duration, even if there's a change in the animal. According to Rabbi Shimon, no. Muksa is reflective of the actual present state of the entity. So even though the animal was alive at the onset of Shabbos, and a live animal is muksa, a dead animal is usable. Is usable. I can feed it to my dogs, and therefore it's not muksa. So remember again, so the Mishnah says, You could cut up the gourds, which is not really what's important for us. That's important to us. If an animal died on Shabbos, you could cut it up and feed it to your dogs. And therefore again, the Gemara says, remember, now I want to point out, we just, Rav Nachman said, that in Shabbos, right, in Mesech Shabbos, Istam Mishnah, a Mishnah without attribution, reflects the view of Rabbi Shimon, which makes perfect sense. Which makes perfect sense, right? Rabbi Shimon has a, 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 a more permissive view of Muktzah. Now, I will say, we also like to establish a Stam Mishnah like who? Umokim Lola Beis 
Karabi Shimon. And therefore, again, remember, we'd like the Stam Mishnah ultimately, again, to go ahead and generally conform with Beis Hillel, because the general cloud we have in Halacha is who does the Halacha follow? Basil, so I'll say, so there's two things happening over here. The halacha generally, generally follows Istam Mishnah, and the halacha generally follows Basil. So, therefore, again, in Shabbos, Istam Mishnah ultimately, again, is Rabbi Shimon, and we want the Stam Mishnah also to reflect Basil. So, therefore, when it comes to Shabbos, we align Basil with Rabbi Shimon. Therefore, again, Mokimogel Basil, Rabbi Shimon. Aval, Amadez, Aval, Gabi Yomtiv. This Stam Lan, Tanak Rabbi Huda, this is very interesting. When it comes to Yantif, however, Stam Mishnah is usually reflective of the opinion of Rabbi Huda. We'll discuss why there is this distinction between Shabbos and Yantif. This Nan, because what do we learn by Yantif? Ein mevakin eitzim min hakoros, velo min hakoros nishpura bi Yantif. So also listen to this. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah says over here, this is actually a fascinating case. Look at Rashi. In Mavakin Eitzim, Biyamtiv Lomina Koros Hasduros Algav Zubakarkova Omdos Abinian. Well, say, listen to this. If you go ahead and let's say you have a stack of wood, let's say you're building something, right? You're building something and you have a stack of wood. But yet, on Yom Tiv, you need to go ahead and make a fire. You're allowed to make a fire on Yom Tiv. So you want to break up some wood in that construction pile to go ahead and use for your stove. Are you allowed to do that on Yom Tiv? So the Mishnah says, no. Why are you not allowed to do that? Because that wood was designated for construction. So because it was designated for construction, right, it was set aside effectively for non-use. You cannot go ahead and take it for your own permitted use. Now both say, who's it, right? Similarly, if you have a barrel, if you have a barrel, and the barrel was whole and intact at the onset of Yom Tiv, and then what happened? It broke. So now you could go ahead and use the pieces of wood for your fire. The Mishnah says you're not allowed to. Now both say, whose opinion does this reflect? Whose opinion does this reflect? Rabbi Huda, right? Because what's happening over here, essentially what we're saying is, since the item was muktza at the onset of Yom Tiv, it retains that identity over the course of Yom Tiv, even though either you want to change the identity or just de facto the identity of the item has changed. That's Rabbi Huda. Billy Gemara says, Mokim lo lebeisel Rabbi Huda. So both say, this, this is absolutely amazing. Listen to what Rav Nachman is saying. Rav Nachman is saying, in general, Attribution of a Stam Mishnah is different by Shabbos and Yom Tiv, right? So there's two things happening over here. There's who's a Stam Mishnah, and in general, the idea that the Aloha follows Beis Hillel, a Stam, we'll say, remember, what's the power of a Stam Mishnah? We generally assume that whenever you have a Stam Mishnah, what does that mean? What does that mean? Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. That's what it means, because if, if there was somebody who disagreed, they would voice their opinion. Everyone agrees in a Stam Mishnah, and so we have that, and generally the Halacha follows Beis Hillel. So watch what Rav Nachman does. This is incredible. So Rav Nachman says, when it comes to Hilcho Shabbos, Stam Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Shimin, who Halacha Lama takes a moral, we'll call it permissive, approach to Muktzah. And therefore, again, in Hilcho Shabbos, Beis Hillel is aligned with Rabbi Shimin. In Hilchos Yom Tiv, Istam Mishnah usually reflects the view of Rabbi Huda, a stricter view of Mokta. And therefore, Allah when it comes to Hilchos Yom Tiv, will hold like Rabbi Huda. So the Gemara says, I don't understand this. So the Gemara is asking just like a, 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 a framework question. Listen to this. Michti, man sasmi lemas nisin. will say, who decided that a Mishnah is a Stam Mishnah? Who decided that? Rabbi. Rabbi Huda Nasi. So why is it, Maishna B'Shabbos, the Sasamon Ke Rabbi Shimon, 
Why did Rabbi Huda Nasi decide that a Stam Mishnah by Shabbos should be reflective of Rabbi Shimon, more lenient view of Mukta, and a Stam Mishnah by Yomtiv should be reflected of Rabbi Huda, a stricter view of Mukta? Why make that distinction? So listen to this. Amri, Shabbos Techamira Velo Asi Lizal Zulebe, Stam Lam Kirabi Shimon de Mako, Yomtiv de Kilva Asi Lizal Zulebe, Stam Lam Kirabi Huda. So this is incredible. So Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman will explain, or the Gemara explains like this. Rabbi, Rabbi Hudana said the following, should go, the following calculation. In general, people are machmer with Shabbos. Right? People understand the severity and the significance of observing Shabbos correctly. Therefore, again, Rabbi felt we could be mako with a detail of Shabbos because being mako with one detail of Shabbos will not erode the general adherence and sanctity of the day. And therefore, Rebbe felt that in this particular Nakuda of Moktza, one could be a bit more lenient and subscribe to the more permissive view of Rabbi Shimon. But Yantiv, which already has quote unquote kulos, that was I want to point out, Yantiv doesn't actually have kulos, right? It's just that Yantiv is a different halachic construct. So there's a lot of things you could already do on Yantiv that you can't do on a Shabbos. Rebbe apparently had the concern that if we are makled by muktza when it comes to yamtiv, what could chas shalom happen? That could lead to a breakdown and a general erosion of sanctity. So that's why Rebbe decided, Stam Mishnah, Dalacha will follow Rabbi Shimon by Shabbos and will follow Rabbi Yehuda by yamtiv. And again, what that does effectively is it aligns Beis Hillel with two different approaches to muktza by two different days. So by Shabbos, Basil will be aligned with Rabbi Shimon, a more permissive view of Muktzah. By Yamtiv, ultimately again, they'll be aligned with Rabbi Huda, a more restrictive view of Muktzah. And therefore again, Rav Nachman was not contradicting himself, right? Rav Nachman was not contradicting himself. I remember again, what I, what I just want to point out, so let, 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 let's go back. So now, but now keep this. We'll say now let's tie this all together. Remember, how do we get into this? Rav Nachman wanted to suggest, remember, what, what, what type of chicken are we talking about? What are we chicken? What, what, what are we chicken? What type of chicken? And for eggs, right? A chicken that is designated for laying eggs. How did Rav Nachman want to go ahead and explain the machlokas? Rav Nachman said like this, it's machlokas and mukta. That's what it is. And don't separate out no lot from the rest of mukta. No lot is part of Muktza. So therefore, again, the Machlokis Bisham, I will say this is very simple. The Machlokis Bisham Beisilo is the Machlokis and Hilchos Muktza. Essentially, do you hold like Rabbi Shimon or do you hold like Rabbi Huda? Beisilo in Hilchos Yamtiv holds like who? Holds like who? Rabbi Huda. And therefore, Beisil, a more restrictive view of Muktza. And therefore, Beisilo will say that when the chicken lays the egg on Yamtiv, the egg is muktza. What type of muktza? Okay, we'll call it normally, call it whatever. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It's muktza. Beis Shammai has a more relaxed view of muktza. They hold it Rabbi Shimon, even by yamtiv, and therefore Allah Chalamaisa will hold that the egg is permitted for consumption. Beautiful. So it says the Gemara, well, let, let's analyze this. So, okay. So now, how are you establishing the Mishnah? You're setting up the Mishnah as a chicken that is set aside for laying eggs, and the Machlokes, therefore, between Meshamai and Besilo, is about Mokza. It's about Mokza. Well, watch this. If that's the case that the Machlokes is about Mokza, I don't understand. If this is about Mokza, then why are you making the Machlokes egg-centric? 
Right, the machlokis actually isn't about the egg. It's the same machlokis about the chicken. Right, but say, think about this. Remember, if you have a chicken, this is good to know. If you have a chicken that's laying eggs, what don't you have in mind to do with it on Yom Tiv? Eat it, right? Which means, I will say the following, which means that according to Huda, even if you change your mind about that chicken on Yom Tiv, right? It's mukta, you can't eat it. Right, according to Rabbi Shimon, he would say, if you change your mind about it, you can eat it. If that's the case, so if that's the machlokis b'shan b'shilol. The machlokis b'shan b'shilol is a mach- fundamental, yesodistic machlokis, and hilchos moksa, that is as old as the Gemara itself, between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon, then why do we have to get into the egg? It's the same machlokis about the chicken. Beshamai would say, if you have a tarnagolas ha'omedes l'gadl beitzim, a chicken that is set aside to lay eggs, Reishamai would say, and you decide, hmm, that looks good. You cannot go ahead and eat that chicken on Yom Div. I'm sorry, just the opposite. Beishamai says you can, Beishilol says you can't. So don't make the machlokis about the egg, make the machlokis about the chicken. To which the Gemara says, you're right. Why do we frame it this way? Because ultimately, again, when we make it about the egg, because consumption of the egg is even a bigger chiddish. Why is consumption of the egg a bigger chiddush according to Beishamai? Because it's no lot. See, say, the chicken was in existence at the beginning of Yom Tiv, right? Or even, I should say, prior to Yom Tiv. The egg was not. So, to, so if you want to illustrate the permissiveness of Beishamai's position, it is much better illustrated with the, with the permission, with the license to consume the egg than it is to consume the chicken. I bet I can say just the opposite. But I would tell you that again, I can say just the opposite. Let's talk about the chicken to show you the restrictive nature, nature of Beis Hillel's position, right? That not only does Beis Hillel not allow you to eat the egg, but Beis Hillel doesn't even allow you to what? To eat the chicken. To which the Gemara says, koach de adif. Okay, so we'll say generally we have a principle in halacha of koach de adif, right? It is always much easier to answer things than it is to permit things. So in general, when the Gemara wants to go ahead and express a chiddush, right? The Gemara would like to express the chiddush in terms of what a novel, a novel ruling that allows someone to permit something. So because base shamai is the permitter. And Basilal is the prohibitor. Therefore, again, we'd rather frame the case in a way that gives the greatest chiddish in the realm of Heter, not the realm of Isser. Even if we adopt that, why not do the following? Viniflog betarvaihu. Why not go ahead and make the machlokis both about the chicken and the egg and frame it as follows? Tanagoles ha'omedes lagadl beitzim. If you have a chicken that is set aside to lay eggs, he ubeitzasa, both the chicken and the egg, Beishamai omrim tochal, ubeisila omrim lo tochal. Beishamai says you could eat it. Beisila says you can't eat it. In other words, I will say, so why not, in other words, it doesn't have to be an either or. Why don't you just, why don't you just include both the chicken and the egg in the machlokes? Ella, so I will say, so therefore, because, because this question is a good one, in other words, that remember, we'll say, it's very, what's very important to understand is as follows. Because the Mishnah sets up the machlokes Beishamai Beisila about the egg, what does that seem to indicate to us? What does it indicate to us? That the Machlokas is egg-centric. It's about the egg. The problem with Rav Nachman's approach, as compelling as it was, Rav Nachman did an excellent job on this. This was a very compelling argument. Right? So as compelling as that was, as compelling as that was, we're left with one simple question, which is, well, the Machlokas is not egg-centric. 
It's about the chicken and the egg. And if that's really true, then why doesn't the Mishnah say that? Therefore, comes along Rabbah. We'll say, here we go. This is very exciting. I'm a rabbi. So Rabbah wants to suggest another approach to the Machlokis Beisham Oh, we're switching gears. Okay. It's not a Tanagolis of Azagai Lobetin. It's not a chicken that's meant to lay eggs, but rather, again, this is a consumption chicken. Right? This is a chicken that you eat. Watch this. And what's the case of the Mishnah? The case of the Mishnah is when Yamta falls out on Sunday. On Sunday. And now the chicken lays the egg on Sunday. So what's the problem? I will say the problem over here in the Mishnah ultimately again is a problem of Hachana. Hachana means preparing. We'll see from Shabbos to Yamtiv or from Yamtiv to, well, from, we'll call from Shabbos to Yamtiv. Mishum Hachana. Vikasava Rabbah. So we'll say, watch this. Rabbah is something very interesting. Any egg that the chicken lays today was in fact fully formed inside of its mother yesterday. So in other words, when you have an egg that, that when you have when the chicken lays an egg on Sunday, that egg really completed its formation on Shabbos. On Shabbos. So I'll say now what's the problem? So then therefore so understand what's happening over here. Therefore, if you have a chicken that lays an egg on Sunday, that egg was quote unquote prepared when? When? On Shabbos. So you have an egg that was prepared on Shabbos and was laid on on Sunday. So what's the problem? Here we go. The Rabbah Tamir said, this is a fascinating story. Rabbah Tamir, Rabbah goes according to his reason. Because what does Rabbah say? And by the way, Rashi points out over here. Um, well, we'll get, forget. We'll, we'll get to Rashi in just a moment. So the Rabbah Tamir, Dama Rabbah, Ma'y dikhsiv v'hayo bayom hashishi v'hechinu esasher yaviu. What we'll say, this is by the man. Right, so the Torah is talking about over here the double portion of man which will fall in the desert. So remember again, will be on the sixth day on Friday. And they will go ahead and what? They will prepare everything on Friday that they need for Shabbos. So Rabbi says this creates a paradigm. What's the paradigm? Chol mechin the Shabbos, v'chol mechin the Yamtiv. Ultimately, again, weekday could prepare for Shabbos, and we take care prepare for Yom Tiv. Ve'ein Yom Tiv mechin l'Shabbos. You cannot prepare on Yom Tiv for Shabbos. We'll say, remember, one of the, one of the great sugyas we're going to get to in Beya is the sugya of Erev Tavshilin, which we'll get to. Ve'ein Shabbos mechin l'Yom Tiv. And Shabbos cannot prepare for Yom Tiv. Right? So we'll say, so remember, it's fasting. So Rabbi's bringing up paradigm. Ve'ayobayom ha'shishi ve'echinu Teaches us, we take care prepare for Shabbos, we take care prepare for Yom Tiv, but Shabbos cannot prepare for Yom Tiv, and Yom Tiv cannot prepare for Shabbos. Which I will say ultimately means what? Which means what? Anything you're going to use on Yom Tiv must be quote-unquote prepared when? When? On the weekday beforehand. And if something is prepared for Yom Tiv on Shabbos, that effectively becomes precluded from use. Therefore, says Rabbo, where, when the chicken, even though we're talking about a consumption chicken over here, not a chicken that's set aside for the eggs, right? But ultimately, again, when, when the chicken lays the egg on, on Sunday, which is Yom Tiv, ultimately that egg was quote-unquote prepared on Shabbos. And you cannot benefit from something that was prepared on Shabbos on Yom Tiv. Now take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, the whole base of the Messiah, I'll take a quick look at that Rashi. 
Now remember again, when we say that the egg was prepared, in other words, I didn't do anything with it, right? This is all happening by Kodesh Baruch Hu inside of the chicken. Nevertheless, Rashi says over here, it's Aser. Essentially what Rabbi says is like this, anything that you're going to use over Shabbos and Yom Tiv must be actively prepared from before you, we'll call it Yom Tiv, from before Yom Tiv. Now again, remember, you're allowed to cook on Yom Tiv, even Rabbi agrees with that, but he means anything that you're going to use has to be in existence before the onset of Yom Tiv. If it's not in existence before the onset of Yom Tiv, it's not quote unquote prepared. And therefore in this case, we're going from Shabbos to Yom Tiv. The egg was not prepared before Yom Tiv. Actually the preparation took place on Shabbos, Going into Yantid and Halachalamai said that is problematic. Look at Rashi, we have one more Rashi. Vechinu, Rashi says, Vehizminu, Kigon Mikan Ani Ochalamachar. Rabba literally says that a person has to be able to say, on Erev Yamtiv, here is where I'm eating from tomorrow. Now, whether or not you need an actual designation, Rabba is just saying, whatever you're going to partake of on Yamtiv, ultimately must be in existence and must be prepared before Yom Tiv. Again, Rashi just goes on to say, you don't actually need the food to be prepared. So therefore, again, so what's happening over here is as follows. Rabba's introducing to us a brand new idea, which is that, no, this is not a chicken that's meant to lay eggs, because that would be obvious. If it's a chicken that, see, according to Rabba's approach, if it's a chicken that's meant to lay eggs, both say everyone will agree that what? Will agree that what? That it's going to be mokta. Right, it's not going to work. Rabbi wants to suggest it's actually a consumption chicken. I, if it's a consumption chicken, then what's the problem? It's a problem of hachana. In order to partake of something on Yom Div, it must be prepared from the weekday to be able to use it. In this case, the egg is quote unquote prepared on Shabbos for Yom Div, and ultimately, again, that is going to be us. We'll say, I'll just end off. We'll stop over here for today, but I'll just end off. I'm leaving in the middle of Rabbi. What an incredible Moser Haskil. What the, what the Gemara is teaching us is something incredible. If you want Shabbos, if you want Yom Div, right? You want Kedusha in your life. Kedusha always requires Hachana. Always requires preparation, right? If you have to go, you have to be Mechin Bechom, L'Tzorech Shabbos, L'Tzorech Yom Tiv, which I will say such an incredible Yisod, because sometimes we show up at quote-unquote religious events, right? We show up at spiritual moments and we expect, we expect to be inspired right there. It doesn't work that way. If you want inspiration, if you want devekus, if you want to feel a connection to the Ribbono Olam, the only way to have a Shabbos, what's Shabbos? What Shabbos? Shabbos is me'en olam haba. Shabbos is dwelling with the Ribbono Olam. If you want a Shabbos, you require hachana b'chol. There has to be proper weekday preparation. You want yomtiv. You want yomtiv. You want to be ole regal, not yet physically, but spiritually. It requires hachana bechol. And you can't be mechin from Shabbos from yomtiv to Shabbos. You can't do the hachana once you're embedded in the Kedusha itself. But the hachana really takes place bechol. I will say, this is so incredibly important. This is why the Mishnah Baruch says, the Hasidim HaRishonim were shown Sha'achas of Neatvilo. The original Hasidim used to go ahead and whatever shown means, meditate, prepare for an hour, or it doesn't have to mean an hour, for some amount of time before Tvilo. Why? You want to have a, it's everything. You want to have a meaningful davening experience? It's so difficult for us. It requires preparation. Whatever meaningful event you want in life requires hachana. Chol mechin l'shabis, chol mechin l'shabis. Sasem says that this will really stop. Sasem says, that's another you know, holiest days of the year, called the Zohar, which is actually incredible. Holiest days of the year 
are the days between um, Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. It's been as morning, right? It's between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Right? Because what do you think between Yom Kippur and Sukkot? There's such a frenzied hachana. Right? If you think about it, there's no, there's no specific mitzvah between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. But I'm busy. I'm this hachana. Lulav and Esri. Sukkah. Yom Tiv. This hachanas. Like no other time. Says the Svasem is hachanas. Preparation for a Kiddusha. Putting yourself in the right headspace. Going ahead and making sure that the framework of your life is ready to makabal that Kiddusha. Sometimes the hachana is even more powerful and impactful than the Dover Shebet Kiddusha itself. Chol mechil yom tiv. Chol mechil. So we'll stop over here. We'll pick up with Rabbi Amir Tashem tomorrow.